Welcome to the Optimum Nutrition Podcast, brought to you by the Institute for Optimum Nutrition. ION is one of Europe's longest established nutritional therapy training providers. Our aim is to support people in making a positive impact on their lives with food. I'm Alice Ball, Communications Officer at ION. Each week, I'm going to be interviewing a guest from the world of nutrition. We'll be delving into their health journey and touching on some common health conditions with the aim of inspiring you to be your most optimally healthy and happiest self. My guest today is Olga Preston, a nutritional therapist at ION's Brain Bio Centre, the clinic supporting a wide range of mental health concerns through nutrition. This is such a fascinating episode, as Olga explains how biochemistry can influence mental health and shares tips for building your mental resilience. If you want to find out more information about the Brain Bio Centre, as well as ION's nutritional therapy courses, visit ion.ac.uk. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy Olga Preston on the Optimum Nutrition Podcast. Olga Preston, welcome to the Optimum Nutrition Podcast. I always start off by asking people, what are your three top kitchen ingredients? So these are three items that you always have in your fridge or cupboards. What do I do? I always have like olive oil and uh, garlic and uh, onions brilliant yeah do you know we had an episode with nicola moore and she had olive oil and garlic as well okay but all about the flavor <laughs> yes otherwise you can't eat those and so you are a registered nutritional therapist at the brain bio center yes so can you explain a little bit about what the brain bio center is and what you do uh the brain bio center is nutrition clinic that specializes on mental health so we see children and adults that have a mental health condition and we help them through foods and supplements to find the balance. So we work with like kids with like ASD and ADHD and ODD, OCD, anxiety, depression, sleeping problems, developmental delay, aggression, things like this. They also come with quite a few medications as well. So we work to support them. We see also adults with depression, anxiety, uh, dementia, cognitive decline, like obviously Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and we also see people with a variety of um, psychotic disorders. So a really broad range of mental health conditions. Absolutely. So this is obviously a really quite a niche area for a lot of people. They might not have heard of the effects and know that there is even a clinic that specializes in nutrition for mental health concerns. Absolutely. People normally come to see us as a last resort. (laughs) They normally have tried pretty much everything else and they come to see us because they don't know what else to try. I just wish it was different. I wish they'll come to see us first because I think that nutrition alongside with psychological support can have a very profound effect on mental health. And obviously, if we start seeing them earlier, then there's so much more that we can do for them. Where were you from originally? I'm originally from Peru in South America. Ah. So we love food. I come from the coast, so I grew up by the beach and I grew up with lots of fresh produce. We used to go to the market and we have like papayas and mangoes and pineapples and all direct from the farms. And over there, you call them chakras. It's just a way. And these vegetables are all dirty, you know, full of mat and dirt because obviously that's how they come you know they're not perfect and then also we used to um, go uh, every summer to a little fishing town called San Bartolo which is like 50 kilometers down from Lima 
and we used to swim all the time and go fishing. I will go fishing, I will bring the fish home, and my mom will make it for breakfast. Oh, incredible. That was amazing. That I loved that. So you've always been exposed to real food and... Yes, we've been exposed to real food. I mean, over there, because obviously when I grew up, it was a few years ago. <laughs> and we didn't have anything, not many things that would come in a container pre-packed. Everything was fresh. So we'll have like the quinoa from the people that grew quinoa, the papayas from the people that grow them, and you know, the fish from the people that come with the, with the baskets of fish. Oh, amazing. So it was really, really fresh. And we didn't have any, we didn't grow up on chocolates or crisps or things like that because most people didn't have money for that. Those were like luxuries, you know, we just had food. And, and that was really, really good. Did you just enjoy good food, but you didn't really make the connection between... Exactly. I enjoy good food. I didn't really make the connection. It's just the way we ate. It was just normal. You know, I came to London when I was 17 and and I I first started to work with Bupa. I just started to work in, in, in in the health industry, but my diet changed when I came to the UK. Yeah. Because I was eating everything fresh and then I was coming here and having chicken Kiev's. <laughs> a delicacy. Chicken Kiev's with chips. So life was changed. It was like, you know, and obviously took a toll on my health and I was not as healthy as I used to be when I got home, but then I got really healthy once I got into nutrition again. It's so interesting. And did you notice a difference in your mental health as well when you moved to the UK? Obviously, I imagine you were away from family, so it's it's not going to be as straightforward as, oh, it's just what I'm eating. But did you um, notice a difference in when your diet changed? You know, when you are 17, everything is so exciting and you are just like going like bungee jumping and doing crazy things. <laughs> I, uh, I think I ate enough fish and vegetables to keep me healthy, but perhaps I could have had a much better health if I had had the same diet that I had when I was back home, yeah. which I didn't. But perhaps having the diet that I did when I was a child protected me mm. in those uh, years where my diet went out the window. You're obviously a registered nutritional therapist yes. and you trained at ION as well. Yes, I trained here, which is amazing. I trained here and then I'm back here. It's like going full circle. So how old were you when you came to ION? How old were you when you trained as a nutritional therapist? So basically, I uh, worked in the city for many years. I've worked a total of like 23 years in healthcare. And I work as, um, uh, with GP surgeries in hospitals. Um, I was working at this uh, health screening center in the city. And I was working all hours, like day and night and really long hours. And eating the wrong foods and drinking and sm- even smoking. Can you believe I used to smoke? It's crazy. <laughs> but this used to be annoyed me. Basically, what happened is uh, I did like a health screen, which you often do, which is like a health examination just to make sure that you are in your optimal health. And basically, they realized that my uh, liver function test was completely out of sync, was like sky high. So they, you know, did what they do, panic, send me to hospital, had all these tests, and they say, okay, you don't have cancer, but there's something seriously wrong with your liver, you have to see the gastroenterologist. So they put me on a waiting list to see a gastroenterologist for like three months. And in the meantime, I saw my colleague, Peter Cox, he's a very well-established and respected nutritional therapist in the city. Uh, Peter is just amazing. Basically, he took me under his wing. He changed my diet. He put me on a different program. And I absolutely did everything he said and transformed my health. So by the time I actually saw the gastroenterologist, three months later, my liver function test was absolutely back to normal. 
And I remember the gastroenterologist saying to me, I can't believe that you've done so much without going on medication in such a short period of time. So I was really proud of what I had achieved at that stage. And I actually started to understand how much it is that you can manipulate your own health by putting the right things, putting the right nutrition, putting the right supplementation. And that's how I started to think, oh, maybe this is something that I could do for a living. I waited one more year to train just to be, you know, be 100% sure that this was the right path for me. And then I started my studies. When I started studying, I, I decided that I wanted to specialize in oncology. Okay. So that was my first love. Um, I have um, a strong family history, so I thought, well, this is the right thing for me. We all know people that have been touched by cancer. Yeah. So we, I thought, well, this is absolutely the right thing for me. So I, once I graduated, I started supporting people with cancer, you know, through their treatment, just from the side effects to strengthen their immune system. So I absolutely love that. But somehow, at the same time, I started seeing kids, little ones. Okay. Like my friends and family started asking me to see children for things like asthma and eczema and digestive problems, sleeping problems. And I think also probably because I had a child at that time, my little one was uh, quite small. So I started to drift towards seeing children. And then, you know, when you have your own child, you pretty much focus about protecting them. And wanted the best for them. In my case, was supporting and protecting my child's brain. And my husband and I have both a strong family history of mental health problems. Yeah. I needed to make sure that I was putting all the right things to avoid any problems in the future. So that's how it started, you know, an interest. And just, I started to embrace it. And then after that, I joined the Brain Bio Center. Mm. And I started to work with Lorraine Peretta. And Lorraine Peretta is absolutely amazing she's got like 20 years of experience of nutrition for mental health so she took me under her wing and we are starting enhancing my clinical skills and work with her to support children and adults with mental health conditions we work as a team mm. so what we do is we look at different factors and maybe triggering the presentation of symptoms which in in the case of mental health are presenting as mental health symptoms. So we look at what is the root cause? How can we address it? The root cause can be different for many people. You know, they're just, we're all different. Mm. So we react in different ways. For example, you might eat something and you might get a digestive problem, but someone else might eat something and they might have anxiety. And it's just your body's responding in different ways. And we just work to find out what it is that is triggering the symptoms for this specific person. It's really interesting that you say you almost fell into it. So you yeah. started with oncology and yeah. you ended up in mental health, which yeah. quite different areas, really. Yes, absolutely. But they're both really rewarding. And when you think about it, when you work with people with oncology, it takes a cert certain sort of person. You really need to be able to want to help people and to be able to relate with them. And their journey is not an easy one. And I think the journey for people with mental health problems is not an easy one either. So you need to care and be with them throughout the journey. Mm. It's very different to other areas of nutrition where you could just sometimes come and go out of their lives. Yeah, I imagine as a practitioner, it, that must be quite a tough area working in mental health. Yes, but you either like it or you don't. But if you like it, you're going to love it. 
because the changes that you see are very profound and what is more exciting is that when you help someone with mental health problems you don't just help them you help the whole family because mental health problems affect like the whole family the whole community so it has a profound effect like a domino effect and once they come back to normal once they actually regain control of 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 their mental health then they go back to being young to enjoying you know going back to school to uni getting a job getting a girlfriend connecting with your families just enjoying life making mistakes like everybody else because we're all going to make mistakes and that's absolutely fine but it's just about enjoying the journey which at some stage they couldn't they were mm. just stuck in time with everybody else moving with their lives and then just being stuck yeah i think that's a really great point you make about it's not just the individual that you're helping it's the whole family because yeah. with something like mental health it does have a knock-on effect we do think of it as being an individual problem no. but it's something that affects loved ones as well like you said you've you've experienced it firsthand absolutely we often have um parents that come to see us with their little ones and very often the parents are antidepressants as well mm. because if, if the child is you know is suffering of uh, with aggression or if have severe learning difficulties or with severe anxiety of you know in some terrible cases actually self-harming mm. then obviously the parents are absolutely destroyed because as a parent the only thing you want to do for your child is to love them protect them and make them feel safe and sometimes the frustration about not being able to help them. This is a very important point that people with mental health problems are very vulnerable. Mm. And more often than not, you know, people have this wrong idea that, you know, someone got like schizophrenia or psychosis, they can harm you. But it's more often they're going to be harmed by others because they are very vulnerable and they can be seen easily as a target. Especially if someone goes out on the street and you know is 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 not taking a medication, had a psychotic episode, they appear lost, they can cross the road in the wrong way. Some it's just they're very vulnerable. So mm. we work to support them, protect them, and work alongside with the mental health team to get them to function properly, which is what we do at the Brain Bio Center. Our aim is to get them to function, to have a life, you know? Yeah, and that's interesting what you say there about you work with other people because we're not saying that getting your nutrition on track is gonna be the single thing in itself that makes a difference. No, it has to be an integrative approach and it has to be a multidisciplinary approach. So, for example, we work very well alongside uh, psychological support or uh, CBT or ABA therapy, which is applied behavioral analysis for children. So, in some cases, we often hear that people have tried CBT before and it didn't work for them. But once they start doing nutrition and you start putting all the right nutrients to support their brain function and their neurotransmitter function, then things start falling into place and they're more perceptive to the psychological support and the medication as well. Mm. So we work to support the medication and to support the side effects of the medication so it's more effective for them. We often get asked, I want to come off medication. And they always say that. And we say, well, our job is not to get you off medication. Our job is to get you to function, to get you to enjoy life. We're all different. Yeah. And some people need to stay on a little bit of medication to function. And if that's what it takes, then so be it. You need to have a life, you need to enjoy your family, you need to connect with the, with society and, and live. People sometimes get so fixated about, oh, I don't want to be on medication. But sometimes 
just to be on a little bit of medication can make a, a huge change or transformation in the recovery. Yeah, I guess what you do is you take the reliance so much off of just being on the medication because I imagine, as you said before, nutrition is the last resort for people. It's something they don't think about. They think they're doing everything they can be and that's probably why people feel quite hopeless in the end. Nutrition that comes along and offers them that extra support on top of the CBT, on top of the medication. Yes, absolutely. So it's just basically your body and your brain just works better when it's properly nurtured. So what we do, especially with children, what we do is we work in two different levels. One is we work to find what is affecting them, what is out of sync, which nutrient deficiency or biochemical imbalance is affecting them. Then at the same time, we work to remove any hurdles. So we are nurturing while at the same time we're removing any hurdles that may be affecting the brain function and the neurotransmitter function. You know, parents come and they say, what happened? What triggered it? You know, that kid was fine until the age of two and suddenly they start regressing, they stop talking, they stop. And they just have this huge guilt about what they may have done. And I say, hold on one second. Trust me, there's absolutely nothing that you've done. Mm. You've done nothing wrong. There's never one thing that is the cause to the development of a mental health condition. It's normally a group of factors that contribute to the development of a mental health condition. It's just basically the bucket gets so full that it just tips in the wrong direction. Yeah. That's all it is. It's no one's fault. It's very, very important that parents understand that it's nothing that they did. It's nothing that could have been avoided. It's just a collection of factors. Yeah, and I suppose that's the same with the treatment. We're so reductionist when it comes to nutrition sometimes, Mm -hmm. or this one vitamin can do this, this one mineral can solve this. But I suppose it's just the the triggers of mental health, the factors affecting it and that can support it must be so multidimensional. Exactly. And also it's good to understand it's not just one thing that's going to cure it because nutrients work in synergy. So they work together. They are like little friends and they hold each other's hands and they push the brain and neurotransmitters in the right direction. We often find at the clinic, we, we look for factors that may be triggering a development of a mental health condition. So we often find things like nutrient deficiencies. Mm. Because obviously, if you think about it, your brain is like 60% fats. So if you put the wrong fats in your brain, then that's going to affect your brain function. So that's a big one, you know, uh, that the lack of, of good fats for your brain function. So that will affect your brain. Then we also think, for example, we think about vitamins and minerals because they act to fine-tune brain function and neurotransmitter function. So if you are low of these essential nutrients, then that's going to affect your brain. And then if you think about amino acids, they come from protein. They're like little building blocks, like Lego pieces. And they need to be put together so that you can make neurotransmitters out of them. The neurotransmitters are like little chemical messengers. So if you imagine like little runners, like going around your body and then just passing information. So for example, you have neurotransmitters, you have like dopamine, that is the happy neurotransmitter, GABA, which is calm, melatonin, which is to sleep, um, adrenaline for motivation, dopamine for reward, acetylcholine for memory. So all these are really, really important and you make them from amino acids. So if you don't have amino acids to start with, it's very difficult for you to make the right amount to support your neurotransmitter function because your body prioritizes. Yeah, it's the minimum amount Absolutely. it needs. Absolutely. So it just, it has to think about what is the, the priority. 
So with amino acids, it's very important that we put the right amount and the right quality of amino acids to support neurotransmitter function. And we all have different needs. And it's very important to understand that some of us have higher needs than others. So a specific amount for you might not be the right amount for me Mm. because I am different. Yeah, is that a thing? I know people talk about with depression and anxiety, for example, that certain people might naturally have lower levels of serotonin and dopamine. We all have a different genetic, Mm. okay? So if you think about their genetic predisposition, you can look at the genetic predisposition for their neurotransmitter pathways. So you could have a predisposition to have the receptors for serotonin, which are vitamin D dependent, to not work efficiently. So these receptors might need extra vitamin D to be able to accept the serotonin. So even though you are taking the right amount, you have a genetic predisposition of low vitamin D, which means that you need to take a higher amount of vitamin D for in order to be able to uh, to support your serotonin levels. Mm. So yes, genetics is very important because you actually understand how we can support this individual even more. So for example, you have if you have a strong family history of mental health problems, we would normally do a test that will check uh, the genetic predisposition for neurotransmitter pathway. But then we also work on how these symptoms are developing because if you have the genetics, that's just a predisposition. That doesn't mean that you're actually going to have these problems. Yeah. It's just about precaution. And then also it could be that you are just not taking enough of the amino acids to support the production of the neurotransmitter in the first place. Or it could be that you, know, you could have a, perhaps an accumulation of toxins that are going to interfere with the pathway. Yeah, and is it in the sense as well that to the degree of deficiency or how many things that you're lacking or not getting through, that's when the mental health gets a little bit more severe. Maybe you don't cope very well with stress or you get a little bit of anxiety. Then if you're getting severe anxiety or depression, is it like a domino effect? Yes, obviously it's a domino effect because you we all have a specific resilient to get away with, you know, things not working a little bit. Mm. Uh, but if things don't work a little bit, and on top of that, for example, you're eating foods that cause inflammation, that's going to take your serotonin away from the right pathway. So that's going to steal your serotonin. And if you, on top of that, have a low vitamin D and are not eating foods which are rich in tryptophan, then obviously it's an accumulation of factors. Mm. When it comes to mental health, then, if we're talking in terms of anxiety, depression, mm. what are some key things people could consider when it comes to their diet and things they're eating? Well, I think it's very important that they put the right fats in the diet, like we said. Fats are really, really important for brain function. So things like the salmon and the trout and the mackerel and sardines, um, those are really, really essential. And also if you think about like things like walnuts and chia seeds and flax seeds, and these are all omega-3, which is very good for EPA. EPA will help with the functions of the uh, neurons. And then if you think about things like avocado and olive oil and coconut oil, these are all really good fats as well that will help support your brain function. Yeah, which to some people might come as a surprise to say eat fats, things like butter and avocados that are actually good for you because we're so often told to avoid fats. Well, it's just not avoid fats, about avoid the brown fat. Olive oil on top of the food and avocado on toast, uh, those are just 
beautiful fats that will help not just nurture your um, your brain but nurture your body and pro- you know give you beautiful skin so mm. it's it's a win-win situation other things that will also help are uh, vegetable intake so to increase vegetable intake that will be amazing because as we said before that vitamins and minerals are cofactors to support brain function and neurotransmitter function so if you think about it the more vegetables you eat the more nutrients you will take and also if you have variety so you have different vegetables so if you say actually this week i'm going to go and try purple broccoli or i'm going to go and try a papaya or i'm going to go and try jerusalem artichokes you know just to try a different vegetable that's actually providing more nutrients because you get a synergy of nutrients which is fantastic so that would be really helpful and obviously to eat protein to get the building blocks for the neurotransmitters yeah. so we're thinking obviously if you are a meat eater then you can have fish and chicken and turkey and beef and lamb and eggs you know and if you're a vegetarian then you need to have the lentils the beans the tofu the tempeh the seeds and nuts the peas the rice quinoa all these beautiful protein sources, just to make sure that you get your complete uh, protein. Interesting. When it comes to supplements, is this something you recommend or is it a food first approach? As nutritional therapists, we've always been asked to work with food first. That's obviously the best approach, but that doesn't work with mental health. People with mental health problems are normally too anxious, too stressed, too depressed, sometimes too psychotic to stick to a diet. So we sometimes work just by starting to put the supplements to calm them down. Then start making tiny, tiny changes because very often are not, they are not able to cope and you do not want to add any more stress. And if it's a child with anxiety, the last thing you want to do is add more anxiety to this child, especially if there's a problem with self-harming, mm. which is increasing. And you basically work with what you can get. Every person is different. Some people come and say, yes, I want to change. I want to do, you know, they're ready to do lots of changes. And then you can be more, you can provide more changes for this person. You can look more at the diet, but some people just come and they're just not able to. Yeah, because if you think there's some people who really struggle just to go about their day. Some people are not able to leave the house. Some people are just so fixated with, you know, with eating a specific colors, a specific textures. Some people are dependent on someone else to bring them food because of their mental health problems. Some people are addicted to sugar. Mm. Uh, we get lots of that. So we just go at the pace that they can cope with. Yeah. But as I say, very often we have to start with the supplements rather than the foods. Yeah, and then move it on when they become capable because it's not just about getting the food in their mouth, is it? I guess you've got to take environment and everything and lifestyle into account. Yes, we look at everything and we look at the environment, we look at what they eat, how they cook it, their lifestyle, their exercise, how much water they take, how much support they have, because support is very, very important. And now you work as well, mostly with young children, don't you? Yes. Funny you should mention that. We also have children with neurodevelopmental issues, but we mainly see children with anxiety, Anxiety, depression, depression, uh, nervousness, irritability, hyperactivity, obviously the the ADHD and ASD as well. But the kids just come with, with lots of different things and we just work on how we can improve their life, what it is 
that is affecting them. What's, what are these symptoms? I mean, okay, someone's put a label on your head now, but how is this affecting your life? And we're all different, you know, we're all different. You know, you have to find what this kid is good at. We're not going to be amazing at everything. And it's just understanding that and, and, and then just nurturing the pathway that they are good at. We Yet finding what it is that they're good at and helping them to develop their skills in this. Yeah, because you're a mum yourself. Yeah. So do you find this with your own kids? Like how do you introduce them to all these different foods? And- Slowly. And you hide it. <laughs> yes, it just really depends on, on the child, obviously. And I often say to the parents, you have to start making the changes for yourself as well because they cannot just have a pizza and expect the kid to have a salad. Yeah. Absolutely no way. They need to be eating the same foods and because that makes the kid want to eat those foods. And we start normally by mixing and mashing and hiding and working two platforms, one where they can eat, they can actually visually see the foods and another platform is where they're getting used to the flavor. So we start hiding them in the foods that they eat so that they start getting used to the flavor in their mouth. I mean, with people that are quite fixated with textures and colors, it takes longer. Mm. But if it takes a few months to introduce foods, it's worth it. Because if you think about the long-term effect that those foods are going to have to support these kids' brain function, then it's absolutely worth it. And that's the other thing we're thinking about preparing the kids. You know, when they leave her house, when yeah. the mom is not going to be there to cook the food for them, to make healthier choices, so they can protect their, their, their mental health when they go to uni, which is a very challenging time. Uh, we often find that youngsters with mental health problems uh, exacerbate when they go into uni just because they are away from home, yeah. uh, where mom cooks, and they are, you know, they have so much stress. It is the stress of adapting to a new life is so, so hard. And they are putting all the the wrong nutrients. Plus, they're drinking and smoking, and God knows what. Yeah, I. I mean, (laughs) yeah. It's always reported that mental health issues are higher in universities. Mm -hmm. I imagine the lifestyle has a massive impact on that because, as you said, you're away from home, and then you're probably not eating that well, especially Mm -hmm. during your first year. All the money goes on drink. Yeah, it it really does. It's party lifestyle first, food second. But obviously this has a domino effect of everything comes together. Yes, absolutely. So we work to prepare the kids and we also work to prepare the kids before they go through changes. For example, before they arrive to puberty. Yeah. So because when the hormones get involved, then the challenges increase. So it's easier to, to help them to get to get to where they need to be before they start these changes. Or for example, big changes are, you know, puberty or before getting pregnant. There's big hormonal changes. And then the menopause as well, I imagine. A lot of women almost experience more emotional changes in the menopause than sometimes they do in puberty. Yes, or perhaps their body was just so used. I mean, they have used all their nutrients for other things. And uh, women often put their families, they worry so much about their families and their career and everything else. Sometimes they put their health behind. Mm. And uh, I mean, we're lucky that we have access to all this knowledge nowadays. What we try to do at the Brain Bio Center is we try to provide people with tools to protect themselves, to protect their mental health. Who want you to help someone understand what it is that they can do to feel better, to function better, then they they feel empowered, and that's the idea mm. to give them that that ability to to help themselves moving forward. 
Yeah, because how many years now has it been that you've been specialising in mental health? At least nine years. Yeah, and it's only really, would you say, in recent years that the conversation around mental health's got a lot louder? I think the, the stigma around mental health is being removed, but it's still there. I think that it's more open in schools and universities and in the workplace. People are more open about their feelings and, you know, and there's more support, but there's still a stigma mm. with some conditions more than others. So um, people that have schizophrenia, obviously, they are less likely to be open about having schizophrenia at work than saying, I suffer from, you know, sometimes I suffer from a little bit from depression or yeah. anxiety. Um, there's some conditions that still carry a huge stigma. It's such a shame because if you... You have come to see us in the past, for example, you have seen people come to, to the clinic and um, I've seen people coming to see Lorraine and they come with like their kids and, and the wife and you think, you know, we were looking at these people, we're talking to them and, you know, there's no way on earth you're going to feel that these people have schizophrenia. Mm. And it's just about, as I said, getting them to function, getting them to enjoy life. But I can understand that it's challenging for someone to volunteer that information openly. Yeah. And have you seen a, a difference in the clinic over the years in either the types of mental health conditions people come to you for or just by how openly or how many people are more willing to look for that extra support? I think lately, obviously, with the pandemic that has exacerbated mental health conditions. So people that already had a mental health condition or they were not quite right have really suffered in yeah. the pandemic. So we see now a huge huge increase in anxiety, in depression, in sleeping problems, in stress. Obviously, it's been stressful and stress will have an impact, obviously, on cognitive decline as well. It will have an impact on exacerbating uh, things like ADHD and, and ASAD. But the main things that we are seeing at the moment is anxiety, depression, and sleeping problems. With the kids, before the pandemic, I was seeing a big increase in children um, self-harming. Mm. So that was obviously we work really hard to, to support these little ones, obviously alongside their psychological support, because nutrition is, um, is a tool, but they need to be under the mental that health That holistic, team. Yeah, yeah, approach. And do you think now that we're kind of coming out the other side of the pandemic, the situation is going to get better? Or do you think people are going to need more support i think people are going to need more support and and seeing people we're starting to they're going they start to see that the, the light at the end of the tunnel and for the kids it's amazing that they're going back to school kids are very resilient which is fantastic but it's been a very challenging journey for them very very challenging and i don't think this can just be erased from one day to another i think these kids that have suffered are going to need some time of support and sometimes so some, some time where parents have to be especially supportive, especially calm and especially um, adaptable to the needs of the kid to support them through this transition. Definitely. And I imagine, too, there's going to be some people who are worried about restrictions easing as we adjust to normality. Yes, I think the way, obviously, the normal has changed and we do not, no one knows how the new normal is going to be. Mm. We are just hoping that it's going to be like we used to remember, but there's something quite challenging about adjusting to a future that you do not quite picture. 
obviously I really would like to have a more integrative approach to mental health so that perhaps psychiatrists can see us as a tool to support mental health patients. Because at the moment, there's some psychiatrists that embrace nutrition, but obviously I would like it to be mainstream because the idea is to provide people with the tools to support their own mental health, you know, just, just because they will get them to where they need to be. Yeah, it's this joined up thinking. Exactly. It's the same as physical health. I know we think of mental health in a different way to physical health, but I mean, even still with our physical health, there's still not this joined up thinking all the time between different healthcare disciplines. Should be all integrated. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you exercise, then your endorphins go high and then you're happy and then you sweat. So when you're sweating, you de-stress and then you support your liver function because the toxins are coming out. So it's fantastic. And that will support your hormones and then that will support your brain function. Yeah. Fantastic. It just really is this joined up thinking and not a one thing's going to change the world. I mean, when we look at things that can go wrong with mental health. We often, we talk about the nutrient deficiencies, you know, but there are also other factors, you know, like the toxins, the toxicity, accumulation of toxins, could be mercury, aluminum, arsenic. It could be that your liver is not detoxifying properly. So that can affect, it affects your neurotransmitter pathway, affects your energy levels. So by exercising, that will have a fantastic effect on all of this. And we also find people have, for example, food intolerances. And food intolerance people can have a digestive symptom, but they also can have severe anxiety from it. So we also look for that. And or if you think, for example, about digestive problems, digestive problems because of the gut to brain connection. If you have problems with your gut, it affects your brain. And if you have emotional problems, straight away you feel it in your gut. Mm. So it's about supporting which factors affect this person. But exercise, meditation, um, fresh air and uh, water, hydration, all these are very, very important things that we address when we support a, a client. But obviously we work with what it is that they like doing, what it is that they, um, they, they can do, because, you know, what it is realistic for them. It's about what it is that they can achieve. Yeah, it's this idea of not striving for perfection. No one is perfect. We're just trying to to do the best we can. And and, and the idea behind this is just we're trying to help these clients to get through this. Because it's just a hurdle that's just in their lives. And it's just they need to get through so they can actually go back to their lives and Mm. go back to just having fun. What are then going forward as we emerge out of lockdown, maybe three easy things people can implement to support their mental health, that that extra bit. So we talk about good quality protein for the amino acids for neurotransmitters. We talk about the good fats to support brain function. We talk about increasing vegetables to put the cofactors for brain and neurotransmitter function. So that's fantastic. In terms of uh, lifestyle, uh, exercise is amazing and just getting some fresh air, finding a healthy way to deal with emotions. For example, if they're really frustrated, you know, sometimes it's good to, I don't know, hit a pillow or get like a um, boxing bag to hit or go for a run or go for a cycle Mm. or put really loud music, really loud music because that actually shocks your system into just changing gear. So, so many things. And so many things. Obviously, people don't need to do all of these things. It's no. finding what works for you. It's finding what works for you. Because, for example, it could be that for you, having a bath is just what relaxes you. 
few foods, a few Epsom salts on that, that will help with detoxification and will help with magnesium going in, which is calming. And that's really good. But it could be that for me, running is what really, really distresses me. So we all have what we like and it's just about finding it what makes you, you know, function properly. Mm. Before we end, I uh, was wondering if you wanted to do a quick fire round. So this is a quick fire with Olga. Oh. Smoked salmon and eggs or avocado on toast? It's smoked salmon and eggs. Eggs poached or scrambled? Poached. Cashews or Brazil nuts? Ooh. Brazil nuts. Olives or carrot sticks and hummus? Olives. Parsley or coriander? Coriander. Trout or tin sardines? Tin sardines. Lemons or limes? Limes. Tahini or tamari? <sighs> tamari. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. Very good. That was an actual quick fire. Olga, if people would like to work with you, where can they find you? Well, if they wanted to work with me or Lorraine, uh, we work as a team and uh, they can find us at the Brain Bio Center, which is at IAM, the Institute of Optimal Nutrition. You know, we'll be happy to help them in anything we can. Brilliant. Well, Olga, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank it's you been, for having been me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure too. <laughs> For more information about nutritional therapy, why not subscribe to Optimum Nutrition magazine? Visit ION's website, ion.ac.uk forward slash magazine for details. You can also follow us on social media at ION underscore nutrition.